So we've been looking at Be the Church this year, and presently we're in the book of Acts and looking at the topic of Be Courageous Church. And so you may have heard these words before. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? I suspect you've probably heard those things. You've probably heard those words on a TV series uh, that you've looked at or maybe some show on Netflix or maybe maybe in your own uh, t- testimony that you had to use in court for yourself or whatever on a witness stand. And so today what we want to do is we want to bring Paul, the Apostle Paul, to a witness stand. You see a chair here. We're going to imagine in our minds that Paul is on the witness stand. And what we're going to find as we look at our passage scripture is that indeed Paul is on a witness stand of sorts as he faces a multitude of opposition. And as he's facing that opposition, he gives a defense. And as he gives that defense, he tells the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about what has happened in his life. He tells his story to the people who are listening there at the temple. And now as we look at this, may we learn from it and may we as disciples be reminded as to what has actually happened in our lives as disciples And then use also what we learn here to help us to tell it to other people, even in a culture that is antagonistic toward Jesus and also antagonistic toward us as disciples. So we're going to look at the book of Acts again, Acts chapter 22, starting at verse 1, going through 22. We're picking up in the story, and I'll give you some background here in a minute, but we're going to start here in Acts 22. So if you're able, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand as I read this passage for us this morning. Starting in verse 1, chapter 22, book of Acts. Paul is speaking. He says, brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. And as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now, those who were with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that's appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. That very hour I received my sight and I saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and I beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen was witness was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And then up to this word, they listened to him. 
Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. We pray that as we break open the bread of life, as we open up this word together, that you would speak to our hearts and enlighten us by its pages and the words upon it, by the Spirit who lives within us and who guides and directs us. May we hear what we need to hear, what we need to understand. Lord, may we apply these words to our life. And I pray, Father, that you would take this small loaves and fishes today and just bring it to us and multiply it. And Lord, may you have your way in every heart and life. Lord, that we'd be challenged by you, that we would be encouraged by you, but also, Lord, convicted to be the people of God you've called us to be. Lord, we thank you that you have given us a story to tell. Help us to understand that today and to be willing to tell it. I pray also, Father, that uh, you would have your way in every heart and life. If there are those who don't know Jesus, this is the hour of salvation. But, Lord, I pray also that the word, every word of my mouth, meditation of my heart, would be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. Well, we've got three points we're going to look at here in just a minute. And one to do at the end, which is an application point. But as we get into this passage, we jump in the middle of what, take, what took place. We ended in the, at, the, at the, like verse 16 of chapter 21 last week, and we've jumped ahead to this chapter. And so last week, if you'll remember, we talked about the unshakable resolve that Paul had to go to Jerusalem. And we know that he does indeed go to Jerusalem. And before he gets there, he, he uh, knows that we know that people were talking about Paul and telling false things about him. And as he gets there, he hears these things. And they are telling tales about Paul that he was advocating to forsake Moses, to not walk according to their customs. And so James, who's the leader of the Jerusalem church, comes to Paul. This is in chapter 21. And he encourages him to come to the temple to show that he still holds Moses in high esteem. So, so Paul thinks that's a good idea. He goes to the temple, and, but when he goes to the temple, uh, you can read all this in the chapter, but it causes quite a stir among the Jews that are there in the temple. And so what takes place is they seize Paul and they drag him out of the temple and they beat him and they beat him to the point that they're seeking to kill him. And now the, the Romans, the Roman soldiers, the Roman guards uh, see what's taking place. They run in and they intervene and they bind up Paul because they don't know who he is. They bind him up, which is, an, uh, which is uh, what took place. You know, the uh, uh, prophets had uh, said that's what was going to take place. And this is exactly what happened. He was bound. And so the, he was bound up by these soldiers and they lift him up and they carry him through the crowd and out of the crowd. But Paul wants to speak to the people. As he wants to speak to the people, he's standing on the steps and he addresses the people in order to defend his faith. And so as we think about Paul standing before the people, sharing his story, we want to invite him to the witness stand. So in your mind today, I want you just to imagine Paul sitting here on the witness stand telling his story today. And what he told the crowd then, he also would tell us today. And so we would ask Paul on the witness stand as he's before us, as he was standing before those people. Okay, Paul, tell us, what is your story? And I think the first thing that Paul would tell you is this. This is the first point. I lived a lawful life. I lived a lawful life. 
And as we've seen Paul do in the past, as he speaks for, to a great group of people, he understands who his audience is. And so the first thing that Paul is thinking is, let me capture your attention as I'm speaking. And so in verse 1, it tells us there that he addresses them and says, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. So he calls them brothers and fathers, saying to them, look, he's connecting with them, that we have something in common. And he'll get into what that is in a minute. But as I just read that, as he speaks to these people and he says, hey, brothers and fathers, hear the defense that now I make before you. He calls them brothers and fathers. You know, I just find that fascinating because if you remember what's taking place here is that Paul has just been arrested and he has been dragged out by these people and beaten and nearly killed and would have been killed if the Roman guards had not intervened. But he addresses them as brothers and fathers and wants them to know the truth. And so what he's saying in calling them brothers and fathers is he says, I know who you are and I care about you. And but he, what I find fascinating is that Paul wasn't overcome. He was not overcome with frustration and anger against those who didn't know Jesus. But instead, what we see in Paul here is that his heart was burning for them to know the truth about Jesus. Amen. Don't you find that fascinating? He wanted them to know the truth, even though they just wanted to kill him. I mean, what would you do? Get me out of here, buddy. No, he wanted to tell them about Jesus. And so we'd say, you had a heart that's burning for them to know the truth about Jesus. Is that right, Paul? And so Paul being on the witness stand, he would say, that's right. Look, if you, and he would point us to Romans chapter 9, what he wrote to the church at Rome. Romans 9 verses 2 and 3 says, That I have great sorrow and increasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ from the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. So what he's saying is, look, he had such a desire for these fellow Jews to know Jesus, that if he could change places with them, he would. His heart is burning for them to know the truth about Jesus. So he captures their attention as he knows who they are and he cares. Then he addressed them in ways that they would understand. We looked at in verse 2. When they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And so we see that he using the Hebrew dialect, which is Aramaic, and he speaks to them in ways that captures the people's attention. And he calls them brothers and he calls them fathers. And, and then he uses their dialect. Now, why is Paul doing this? Is because even though they are opposing him, he knows what is most important. And that is this, that they need to know the truth about Jesus Christ. Amen. They know that he knows that they need to know the truth about Jesus. Now, here's the question that that just pops out at me as I look at this is one, as I wonder, friends, today, do we have that same care and concern for others, even though there are people who oppose us? Do we have the same concern for those who do oppose us? Do we have that same sense of, you know what, we're all in, have this in common, that I needed Jesus, and you know what, you need Jesus too. Do we have a heart that burns for people to know Jesus, or do we have hearts that are just frustrated? Do we have hearts that are just angry that the world is acting like the world? 
mean, do we care as disciples? Do we care if people come to know Jesus? And if so, then let us consistently and courageously point people to Jesus. And so Paul, what he does here is he captures their attention and then he communicates his qualifications that they would have seen as qualifications of who he thought he was. Because he is saying, I thought I was good. I lived a lawful life. And so he, in the next verse here, he, he unfolds how he says, look, I thought I was a good guy. And he lays out those qualifications in the first part of verse three. He says, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus. He says, uh, uh, brought up in this city. In other words, in this city, home to this Jerusalem, it's my hometown. So I have the right heritage. I'm a Jew and I was born in Tarsus, but this is my hometown. And then he goes further and he says, uh, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. So in other words, he said, look, I have the right teaching. I was taught right from wrong. And then he goes further and he says, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. So I had the right actions. I was doing the right deeds and, and I've kept all the law. I have lived this lawful life. And then he says, and I have this right passion, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I was so passionate about my belief. So he said, look, I had the right heritage. I got the right background. I got the right education, the right teaching. I had the right actions, all the deeds. And I had all the right passions. And I was so passionate about my beliefs. And then he unfolds what those looked like. He said, I persecuted this way to the death. The people who follow Jesus, I persecuted them to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them, I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. And so, it is, so what he's doing here is he's piling up his credentials in order to connect with his hearers and to say, look, I thought I was good. I thought I was living a lawful life. And you know what? He would say the same thing to us today. And why would he say those same things to us today? It's because today there are still many who will pile up their credentials and say, you know what, preacher? I think I'm all good. I think I'm all good because, you know, God surely has to be pleased with me because I'm a good person. I've not done anything wrong. I mean, I've, I've got a good heritage. My, I got a great pet, got great parents, great, great grandparents who, who taught me right from wrong. You know, they made sure that I was towing the line. I was brought up right. After all, I've never stolen. I've never killed. I keep all the Ten Commandments. I am good to go. I am, and I am passionate about what I believe. And I'll even do a whole lot of things just to prove my worthiness of being accepted by God. I will check off all of the religion boxes. And so we would be saying the same, Paul would be saying the same thing to us today because he's getting to his main point, And that's this, that I thought I was good, but God's standard of goodness cannot be met. Y'all with me? God's standard of goodness cannot be met. And you say, what, what, what is that? You see, you may think you're all good, but Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 18, he says, no one is good except God alone. He said, wait a minute now, I keep all the Ten Commandments. And I'd say, oh, really? Well, hallelujah. I'm so glad you do. But you know what? Let me just remind you of something. Jesus said, if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. 
He also said that if you hate someone, hate your brother, you've committed murder. And then there is this other little commandment in there about not bearing false witness, which, which means you're not supposed to lie. That one might get you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but, but it's only one lie. Just, just a little white lie I tell every once in a while. You know, also the book of James tells us that if you're guilty of breaking one point of the law, you're guilty of breaking all the law. You see, we can't be good enough. We're not good enough. God's standard of goodness cannot be met. So Paul is saying, I live this lawful life and here is all my goodness. All of my goodness of my heritage, my upbringing and my, my education, what I was taught and my actions, my deeds, all my passions. But he's saying, look, it isn't enough. And so if Paul was here on the witness stand before us, he would point us to Romans chapter 3, verse 9. It says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we've already charged that all both Jews and Greeks are under sin, as it is written. Watch this. None is righteous. No, not one. That's awful disheartening, Paul. But we want to hear what you've got to say. So what are you saying? So what? And Paul would say, here's what I want you to know. Here's my story. I lived a lawful life, but I thought I was good, but something happened. Something drastic took place. Something amazing happened in my life. And here's the second point. I lived a lawful life and I saw the light. I saw the light. He would say, he's telling his story now. I thought I lived, I lived a lawful life. I thought I was good, but I saw the light. I met the living Christ. And as I met the living Christ, that changed everything for me. Amen? That changed everything. Jesus captured my attention, is what Paul would say. Look at verses 6 and 7. Let's just hear it in Paul's words as he is on the witness stand before these people. And he's telling what took place. As I was on my way and I drew near to Damascus, I was on a, on a journey. I, was, I had to think, focus where I was supposed to go. But about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, I was on my way, but this Jesus, he stopped me in my tracks. I fell to the ground and he said to me, Saul, 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 why are you persecuting me? You see, he knew who I was and he called me by name. And I thought that I was a follower of God. I thought I knew what it meant to be a follower of God. I was living this lawful life, but Jesus stopped me on the road to Damascus and I saw the light. He captured my attention. And as he captured my attention, he then also communicated his qualifications to me. And verse eight, Paul says, I answered, said, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now, can't you imagine and Paul heard those words from Jesus, the one that he despised, the one that he was fighting against and the people who were following him because he just believed that he was not really risen from the grave. It was, a, it was a ruse. It was a farce. It wasn't true. But it is Jesus who speaks to him. And so he had to change his whole way of thinking. Jesus says, this is Jesus of Nazareth. Very specific. He is the one who was crucified on the cross of Calvary. 
And now this Jesus, Paul is saying, is the one who spoke to me, which proves that Jesus is alive, that he's been resurrected just as he had heard from others and heard about, that he has the power, that he is the risen sovereign Lord of all, that he is the light who shines in the darkness. And Paul would say, and he is obviously the gracious and the merciful God who is abounding in steadfast love. How do I know that, Paul would say? Because Paul would say, because I had persecuted his church and in the same manner I had persecuted him. And yet Jesus appears to me. And yet he knows me and he knows what I've done and he knows my thoughts. And yet in his grace and his mercy, he spares me. And in his grace and mercy, he calls me. And in his grace and mercy, he changes me. That's the story that Paul is telling what's taking place in his life. Now, beloved, let me ask you a question. If you are a disciple of Jesus, isn't that your story as well? Isn't that your story? That I once lived a lawful life. I thought I knew it was okay, that everything was all good. But then Jesus got a hold of my life. And in his grace and his mercy, he has spared me. In his grace and his mercy, he has called me. In his grace and his mercy, he has changed me. And that's Paul's story, Paul would then point us to 1 Timothy 1, verse 13 through 15. It says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent. And beloved, it may think we're good, but if we are rejecting Jesus, we're opposing him. He says, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace, watch this now, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. And the saying is trustworthy, deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So that's Paul's story. No, that's your story. And it's my story. This was Paul is saying has happened in his life, friends. What about you? Has Jesus captured your attention? Have you seen the light? Have you realized he is the risen sovereign Lord? Do you know that he knows what you've done and he knows your thoughts and yet he is still gracious toward you and calls you to himself for salvation? So we'd say, Paul, okay, you lived a lawful life and you saw the light. Is that the end of your story? And Paul would say, oh, no, that's not the end of my story. I lived a lawful life. I saw the light. And then here's the third thing he would see as we see in this scripture I listen to the Lord. Present tense. I listen to the Lord. Now, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, you might understand it if you have kids or maybe it's even with your spouse. But did you know that listening is different from hearing? Uh-huh, right. <laughs> listening is different from hearing. You know, hearing is simply perceiving sound. You ask that teenager, did you hear me? And they say, honestly, say, yeah, I heard you. But then you need to ask, did you listen? Right? Maybe you need to do the same thing for your spouse. I don't know about that, but maybe. (laughs) But hearing is simply perceiving sound, but listening is paying attention and comprehending and obeying. Paul is saying, I listened to the Lord. I pay attention to him. 
I comprehend what he wants me to do, and I obey what he wants me to do. I listen to the Lord. So Paul is now saying to these opponents, since my eyes have been opened, I have seen the light. I know he is the Lord. I know he is the Lord. And since he is the Lord, I obey him. Amen? Since he is the Lord, I obey him. So we see that uh, he says, that means that since he's the Lord, I'm going to walk by faith in him. We see that next in this passage of scripture. So if you look at verse 10 and 11, we see him getting ready to walk by faith. The first thing he's going to do. So in verse 10, he says, and I said, what shall I do, Lord? So he's on the ground. He saw the light. He can't see. What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus. And there you'll be told all that's appointed for you to do. And since I could not see, Paul says, because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. So he's asking, what shall I do? And so Paul would be saying, look, Jesus has got a hold of my life. Is he speaking to this crowd of people as he would be speaking to us today? Here's my story. Jesus got a hold of my life and he has changed me. And so now because he has changed me, there is a readiness to do whatever he tells me to do. I want to do whatever he wants me to do. I want to seek that out and I want to do whatever he tells me to do. There's a change that's happened in my life because of Jesus. So here's the thing. Is it because... I will do whatever I am told to do by Jesus. Why? Because Jesus has full authority over me. Because he's the Lord, right? He has full authority over me. So this is Paul's story. Look, I thought I, I lived a lawful life. I thought I was good, but I saw the light. And now I know who Jesus is. He is the Lord. And I listen to him. I listen to him. Beloved, that's the story of the Apostle Paul. I couldn't see. I didn't know what was coming, but I trusted him. Jesus said to Paul, go to Damascus. There you'll be told what you're to do next. So Paul said, look, I can't see in more ways than one, but I'm going to obey him. I'm going to go because he says go. I'm going to go there because he says go there. I'm going to do this because he says do this. Why? Because I trust him and he's the Lord. Beloved, let me ask you, is that your story? As a disciple of Jesus, listen, we may not see where Jesus is leading us. We may not have all the answers. We may not know how he's going to provide for us. We may not know what's next. But since he is the Lord, we walk by faith in him. And we will listen to the Lord as disciples. Amen? That should be our story as it is Paul's story. So Paul, we say, okay, is that what you're saying, Paul? And then he would point us to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 through 9. He says, so we're always of good courage. We know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we're of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. So he's saying, look, since Jesus is the Lord, my desire is to obey him. My desire is to follow him. My desire is to walk by faith in him. You see, this is how Paul was living his life as a disciple who had been changed by Jesus Christ. Disciple, is that your story? Is that your story? That you will live your life as a disciple who's been changed by Jesus. That you will listen to him and do what he says. You know, I think, 
I really think in our world today, there are too many who want the security of salvation, but also the freedom to do their own thing. They don't want to walk by faith and obedience to Jesus, but they want to walk in pursuit of their own desires. But Paul would say, here's my story. I thought I was good, but Jesus changed my life. I saw the light. And now I listen to him. And since he's the Lord, I obey him. I will walk by faith in him. And then also we see in this passage, he would say, since he's the Lord, I will also be a witness for him. So we see once Paul comes into Damascus, you read that story there. He's visited by Ananias, who was sent by the Lord to Paul. And there he's told in verses 14 and 15, Saul is told or Paul is told from Ananias, Verse 14, the God of our fathers appointed you, Saul, to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will watch this now, for you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. So Ananias, as the Lord has told him what to say to to Saul or Paul, is that you will be a witness for Jesus to everyone. You'll be a witness of your faith. There's a couple of ways in which he's going to be a witness. And the first one we see there in verse 16 is that he's going to be a witness through identification. So Ananias says to him, now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So what we know is that Paul had trusted Jesus to be the Messiah. His sin had been cleansed and he was baptized now. And in this baptism, as Ananias encourages him to be baptized, in that baptism, which is being obedient to the Lord, In that baptism, he is identifying now with the one who has saved him. He is identifying with Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. He is saying in that baptism, I belong to Jesus. Amen? Amen. So when we're baptized, it's the first step of obedience where we say, I am not ashamed. I believe Jesus is who he says he is, and I now belong to him. That's the story of Paul. That's what's happened in his story. So is that your story? That if you've trusted Jesus as Lord of your life, have you been obedient to him in baptism, identifying with Jesus Christ? Paul would then also, sitting on the witness stand, point us to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. He would say there, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so, Paul, we would say, what does that walking in newness of life involve? And as disciples, we'd see that we're all called to be a witness for Jesus to everyone. That's what Ananias says to Paul here that comes from the Lord to Ananias, to Ananias, to Paul, that Paul is now saying to the Jews and what he would say to us today as well. And that's what he said there in verse 15. For you will be a witness for him, for Jesus, to everyone, even to the nations, including the Gentiles. That's what Paul is getting around to. In verse 21, as a matter of fact, Jesus would say to him, go for I'll send you far away to the Gentiles. And so what is happening is that the Lord is making it very clear to Paul. And now Paul is making it very clear to this Jewish crowd around him that the one true living God, our God, who is the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, is a missionary God. 
He's a missionary God. And that it is his will that the gospel be proclaimed to the nations. That the gospel of Jesus Christ be proclaimed to people here and far, near and far, wherever we may be, and no matter who they are, even those who oppose us. That's why Paul is telling these people who want him dead that they too need Jesus. And beloved, there's people in this world who will be opposed to us, but that should, make, should not make us stop telling them about Jesus Christ. Amen? Because they need to know about Jesus. And so Paul would say, you know what? I'm going to continue preaching the gospel even if I face opposition. And indeed, he did face the opposition. As soon as he said that he was going to go to the Gentiles, the folks there at the temple said, up to this point, verse 22, they listened to him, and then they raised their voice and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. So they wanted him to die at that point. But he had been faithful to preach the word. Now, I'll let you read the rest of that chapter, see what happened, then we'll pick up next week, all right? But here's what I want you to know, friends, is that since Jesus Christ is Lord, we will obey him. We will walk by faith and we will be a witness for him no matter who the people are, whether they look like us or not, whether they like us or not. But just like us, they need Jesus as we do. Amen. We have the privilege, we have the joy, we've been commissioned to proclaim Jesus, to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus. We have an obligation to let people know the truth, no matter who they are. And Paul would say to us as he was sitting on the witness stand today, he would point us to Romans chapter 1, verse 14 through 16, where he would say, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so here's what we need to understand, church. Be courageous on the witness stand of life, because as a disciple today, we've imagined Paul has been on the witness stand but I'm telling you that all of us are on the witness stand. Every one of us as disciples are on the witness stand of life. And you, just like Paul, who has a story, you also have a story to tell as of what has taken place in your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. You will indeed face opposition in this world. But even as you do, friends, tell the truth, the whole truth. And nothing but the truth. Amen. Can I get a witness right there? You see here, we see Paul would say, here's the whole truth. I thought I was good. I lived a, a lawful life. I did my own thing, but my goodness wasn't good enough. And then Jesus got a hold of me. I saw the light. I realized I was a sinner in need of a Savior. He captured my attention and he changed me. And since he has changed me, he is now the Lord over my life. I now listen to the Lord, and he is the Lord of my life, and I obey him. That's his story. That's your story. So there's one to do, and that's this. You've imagined Paul sitting on the witness stand. Now I want you to, here's your to-do, place yourself on the witness stand. Place yourself on the witness stand. And as you are on that witness stand, 
I would love to ask you this question. Okay, what is your story? What's your story? What happened in your life? Your disciple? What took place? What happened to you? And as the world examines you, does it recognize that you belong to Jesus? I know I think about being on the witness stand myself. If I was to sit here in the witness stand, Paul's story is my story as well. I would tell you I lived a lawful life. I was a good boy. As I grew up, I was a good kid. At least that's what my mama would tell you. My sisters would tell you a different story, but I would say I was a good kid. But then one night, as you've heard some of this before, one night at a, at a meeting called Revival, I was sitting on the front pew for some reason. And in that moment, I recognized as the preacher was preaching that I needed Jesus, that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And he got my attention. And I surrendered my life to him. And from that day to this, I have said, Lord, I will listen to you because you're the Lord. You've given me hope. You've given me assurance. You've saved my soul. You've rescued me. You've redeemed me. You've ransomed me. Now I have hope. And you're the Lord of all. And so I'm going to follow you until my last breath. And then I will see you face to face. Hey, that's my story. But you've got a story too. Amen. And you're on the witness stand of life. Be the witnesses that the Lord has called you to be. Would there be evidence, if you were to sit on the witness stand, would there be evidence in your life that proved that you belong to Jesus? And today, if you're not sure about that, and you say, you know, I just don't know that I know Jesus, then let me encourage you to let your story change today because he is calling you to himself out of grace and mercy and love for you. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Hey, as you're bowing your heads today, in your mind, if you're a disciple, especially in your mind, would you go back to that place? Can you picture it in your mind where Jesus called your name? Paul distinctly remembered when Jesus called him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Do you remember when Jesus got a hold of your life? When he called you to salvation? Can you imagine and remember where that was? Who was around you and see the picture? And as you see that moment, can you rejoice in that? Will you rejoice in that? Will you worship him even now? At what he's done in your life and how your story changed and as you think about what Jesus has done, would you now ask the Lord to stir your heart to tell your story to the people you will come in contact with as you're on the witness stand of life. Father, help us to be on the witness stand in front of our families, in front of our colleagues, in front of our neighbors, in front of our coworkers, in front of the folks at the grocery store, wherever we are, Lord, let us know, help us to realize that our hearts are to be stirred to tell our story 
because of what you have done to save us, to rescue us, to give us hope in your grace and in your mercy, how you spared us, how you called us, how you changed us for your glory. So Lord, stir us today. Let us come to this moment with a sense of a recommitment of our hearts to commit to tell our story to the nations, to tell our story to other people, to tell our story to people that we've not even met yet. Even if they oppose us, to tell the story. Because, Lord, your story is worth telling over and over and over again. And I just can't help but imagine, Lord, that when we get to heaven, we'll still tell it in the in the glorious place called heaven as we rejoice that they're there, we're there because of you. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us now as we come to this invitation. Stir our hearts to decisions today to pray with the pastor or pray silently, whatever it may be, you're dealing with our hearts to come in this moment of commitment. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Stand as we sing. You come as God's dealt with your heart. We'll be glad to pray.